Good evening, everybody. Stephen Kent Mirasu of Wine Saves Lives here. Uh, just uh, thought I'd hop on the podcaster thingamajigger and uh, talk a little about kind of what's going on, uh, what's going on wine-wise, what's going on writing-wise. It's been a, a productive week so far. It's um, I can remember when I was writing my first book and looking uh, at that word count figure on the bottom of my uh, writing software package and, and, and desperately looking to get that thing to climb 500 words a night or a thousand words a night or whatever it was. And, and it did, it did climb. It ultimately climbed from, I don't know, a starting point of about 15,000 words of, of scribbles basically that I had that I had put together over many, many years. Observations, things that struck me, notes on particular wines, notes on particular places, that sort of thing. And it was um, it was a very um, emboldening, it was a very um, exciting thing to see that number climb because it meant that work was being done. I knew in a minute that I would write a sentence that, that wasn't good and that would ultimately be excised from the book. Um, but it was still something that I put down. It was still it was still something that was true, I think, and that that may have been written clumsily, <clears throat> but that was true. And that did express um a feeling expressed a fact about winemaking, if that's what it was or what have you. But it was it was neat to see um, 15,000 words become 80,000 words, become ultimately about 60,000 words or so in the in my first book, Lineage, Life and Love and Six Generations in California Wine, uh, a love letter really to sellers and vineyards and the people who work in the hospitality business, the people who help to get wines made, all those folks who were out picking fruit in the middle of the night and the people in the wineries punching down fermenting bins in the middle of the night, people who work in the cold, the people who work in the dark, the people who work in the sun, to try ultimately to create something of beauty that will take care of people to some degree or another. That that was um, what the first book was about. I'm in the process of uh, hopping back into the second book. Uh, for those who have read some of my Wine Saves Lives Substack newsletters or heard some podcasts or videos, I, I do have a beautifully unnatural love of Cabernet Franc. And I felt as if it made sense to delve more into that variety and to to approach it from the standpoint of what it takes to make that grape in a way that creates heart-rendingly beautiful wine, wine that that is not just about the head and the heart, uh, but wine that's about the loins, because that's what Cabernet Franc is. And at the same time, um, uh, I, I'm with another person who... Um, is new to me as far as 
being a partner is concerned. That it, it and I, I'm not quite sure exactly where this book is going to go yet. I'm about I, I got to about twenty five thousand words today, and figure that it's a fifty thousand word book, and that if I spend the next couple of months of harvest in the evening or early in the morning, scratching out five hundred words a day, I get to that fifty thousand word mark. Um, I have an idea in my head where this is going. I, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about exploring a love affair with a person and with a grape, how they intertwine, given the person who is sharing my life with me uh, is also um, gorgeously besotted by Cabernet Franc. So it's it's exciting from that perspective. It's exciting from the standpoint of being able to prove to myself again that I can maintain enough attention on a consistent basis to get another long piece of writing done. Um, it's interesting that that um, harvest time seems to clarify things for me in a way. I, I've used this excuse. I don't like to use I don't like to make excuses and I don't like to use excuses. When harvest starts in earnest, and that for us usually is beginning of October, middle of October, when we when we start getting Cabernet and Cabernet Franc in from a bunch of different vineyards, and we're dealing with punch downs and 10 different fermenters, and we've got our, our stainless steel tank going, and there's just, it's nonstop work, um, that everything else falls to the wayside. Um, in, in a not great way, it's not that friendships are lessened in terms of their value to, to me at all. In fact, you know, when it's really cold in the cellar in the morning or when it's really late at night, I, I long for those times pre-harvest that we just sat around with, with our good friends and drank a glass of wine and, and talked about kids and the future and the like. But there is something to be said for having um, uh, having something in, the, in this, in, in, from that perspective, I mean, grape, for me, grapes, the harvest itself controlling the clock and clarifying thinking and clarifying effort and clarifying goals in a way that is um, uh, complete, frankly, practically. I, 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 I despise the intrusions of non-wine real life because it takes me away from the magic that's, that harvest embodies and that it is imbued with. Um, so I get jealous of that. Uh, I, I, I'm, you know, emails don't get answered in as timely a fashion, and, and that's unfortunate. And I, I try to make sure it doesn't happen too much because I, I, I'm not just a winemaker. I do have to sell wine. I do have to market wine. I do have the privilege of writing about wine. And that's one of the interesting things I found last year, or really 2000 and uh, 1920, when I was working on finishing the first book, that there was something about being able to, um, being able to acquire a certain block of time each day that I could use to describe, um, not exactly contemporaneously to what I was doing in the cellar, but describe those things that I was doing in the cellar. Uh, describe the things that, that I had been doing the few weeks prior to harvest in the vineyards to determine when harvest would start. Um, 
I've gotten into that mode this week again with the Cabernet Franc book. I've been working on it for quite a while, uh, at least the last, you know, pretty close to a year now. And and I, I, there are a couple of other projects that I'm working on that are that are longer form projects. One's a, a fiction, one's a, a novel, and and one's more of a kind of a how to on approaching and evaluating wine that I've I've sort of a. a, a uh, alluded to a little bit in in wine saves lives, and we'll talk more about down the road. But I think there's something of real value um, to be written about this part of my life about Cab Franc as a symbol of beauty, a symbol of aesthetic focus, of uh, of a love for making things. A love of making things, hopefully, that will affect people in emotional in an, an emotional way that will connect with them, that will make them um, want to think about wine not only as a beverage but as something that that is a um, a physical representation of of somebody's philosophical and and, and, and or aesthetic philosophy anyway, and and it's um, it's interesting that. This should coincide with this, um, uh, you know, an, another phase in my life as far as my partner is concerned. So it's it's um it's it's been a um, a really interesting time. We've got uh, as I've um, uh, shown in a couple of videos recently uh, on uh, the Substack. We're at the very beginning of harvest, so we've brought a couple of of lots of white wine in. We've got two more. Two uh, um, Blanc de Noir, as it were. We're going to be making a, I think it'll be our fourth or fifth vintage of uh, sparkling wine, Method Champenoise wine made from Barbera. Uh, originally an Italian variety grown in the northwest part of Italy, Piemonte um, area, Alba. Uh, grown in California for decades, if not uh, over a century at this point in time. Used as a, a blending grape uh, in 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 the Central Valley because it's high natural acid. Beautiful, beautiful fruit. And we've made some sparkling wine from it. We have uh, released 18 and 19, 20, 21, or uh, Entourage as we speak. Also making our first Cabernet Franc Blanc, which we're very excited about. Lotre Coat is beginning to take on a, a life that we wanted it to take on. I believe strongly, again, as I've mentioned before, in, in Cap Franc, uh, and from the standpoint of the future of our company, important, I think maybe the most important wine that we'll be making, Cab Franc, uh, Coat and uh, Lineage really are the two primary um, wines that we are going to um, rest upon uh, as far as our legacy is concerned as a winemaker and as a company that, that makes and sells wine. And Coat needed a white component, I thought. I thought it would be neat for it to have a white component, and, and we found a, a Cabernet Franc Blanc that had been made by uh, a friend of ours, uh, Leah Jorgensen, at Leah Jorgensen Cellars up in Oregon, and she had been making cab, beautiful Cab Franc from Southern Oregon. And we tasted a white wine she had made from Cab Franc and thought it was just fantastic. And, and you know, the wine business being what it is, thought, hey, we have access to really great fruit. Let's see if we can do something like this. So I think it'll 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 add it'll add to the Lotra Coat um, uh, legacy. It'll add to uh, it'll add. And anytime you get a chance to add deliciousness to to people's lives, why not you 
do it as long as it makes sense. And that's what we think that this white wine will end up doing. So those two lots of fruit um, pressed, pressed off uh, gently and relatively rapidly to gain as little color as possible, and in the case of the Cab Franc Blanc, no color at all, uh, should be off the vine, I'm going to guess, in the next couple of weeks. Um, and then Red Harvest will, will be about a month after that, is my guess. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, hanging out at, at, my, at my house today, um, um, couldn't make a Cab Franc tasting uh, down in Saratoga with, with dear friends. Today, had some other things that needed to get done, unfortunately, uh, business related. <laughs> Should never get in the way of drinking good wine, but it is what it is. Um, but looking forward to talking to you about the about the, uh, about the the Cab Franc book as it evolves. And if you have a, any great titles for a Cab Franc book, throw them in the comment section. Would love to uh, love to get a sort of crowdsourced uh, idea for, for a great title. Um, as always... Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being part of the Wine Saves Lives tribe. This is a new endeavor. It really is a, um, um, a function of needing to write and needing to express myself in, in these ways about what it is that I do. Uh, and it, it appears as if there are uh, interested people, which is fantastic. Nobody likes shouting into a... Um, empty room. At least I don't. So it's beautiful to to get feedback from folks who are listening and, and reading. Uh, always, if if you want to support the Wine Saves Lives uh, newsletter financially, there are options to do that. We are in the process of creating a really cool um, uh, uh, tour of the winery and um, ability to participate in some degree or another with actual blending sessions that my winemaking team does for Lineage and for the Premier and for Lotricote. Uh, become a founding member and, and we'll get you set up at the winery and and really, really kick open that cellar door for you to see all of the all of the stuff that goes on as we are attempting to make great and beautiful things. Thank you again. Look forward to talking to you soon. As always, drink something delicious, treat yourself well, treat your loved ones and friends well, and we'll talk to you soon.